Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 and the rollout of the new mission tag for the church, expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. This week, we talked about the characteristic of being teachable. Uh, how did this passage strike you when you heard it, Pastor Dina? It's, uh, you weren't there live in the room, so to speak. Yeah. Actually, that's literal. You weren't there. Live I was in not the room. live no. in the room. <laughs> you were at the New Wilmington Missionary Conference, uh, and so you're hearing this in a um, you're hearing this in a in a uh, kind of a, a a playback format. And so, it'd be interesting to hear what you heard from it and and what you thought. Yeah. First, this was a a good reminder to me because when when I'm in worship, I can take notes, I can follow, and um, it was a good reminder that that listening virtually is different. I mean, my brain interacted mm. differently. I had to go back and, you know, rewind a couple times. Um, did, did you find yourself like Flannery O'Connor, your attention was more fugitive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and part of it was I was driving for part of it so that, you know, obviously your attention has to be split yeah. there. But um, <laughs> please, um, you know, even, even finishing it up in my office, my, you know, my fingers and my my computer was right there. You know, my fingers started taking me to websites. So I was like, wait, nope, I'm listening. Come back. Um, so it was just, it was just an interesting reminder of the difference between being in community and just consuming mm. information. Mm. And, and, um, and, you know, those are two very polar opposites. Certainly virtual worship is somewhere in between, but, sure. but for me, it was a good reminder like, oh yeah. I do need to be in the room to be present. We had talked about a week or two ago about being available. And for me, I'm realizing that physical presence is, is important and not having the distractions of, of many things going on at once. Interesting. Interesting. That's boy. Um, we could probably dig into that a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. What did you hear in the, when you were able to pay attention, what were, what did you hear in the, in the text then? Um, you know, this idea of being teachable is so simple and so dense all at the same time. And I think, you know, as I listened to it, um, and in parts I listened to more than once, the idea of of the humility bound up in being teachable and teaching, because I think just like we talked about with um, with faithful and with following, we have to be following Jesus and leading others to follow. And I think when we talk about teachable, we have to be teaching other people, but we also have to be willing to be taught. And that's a humble place to start to admit, I don't know it all. And maybe I don't have all the wisdom in the world to impart to someone else um, I, that I need to, to remember that I don't have it all figured out yet. And certainly I can help people along, but also still need people to help me along as well. Now I have, a, I'm curious here as you're talking about this, the, um, are you the type of person that wants to have kind of all the information and the facts before you relay it to someone? Or are you someone who can, who's kind of a process person? You're okay in the middle, just being teaching someone while being taught. Um, probably more the first one yeah. for me. I like to have a complete idea before yeah, I, I can definitely fall trap into the idea of I couldn't possibly teach them or disciple them or or help them because I don't know what I'm doing 
fully yet yeah myself so so it can be i mean as you talk as say that i it i'm kind of that way too and it's, yeah and it can be paralysis by by simply you know wanting to to have everything all together and, and yeah. never reach that spot yeah and i think that's why there's so much humility bound up in it because if you do wait until you're an expert you're probably never going to get there you know there's always more to learn there's always more to think through there's always questions especially when it comes to our faith there's always questions and things we just can't explain or understand or wrap our brains around or and and things that we do think we have a good handle on and then something happens or something shifts and and then everything shifts and we're like wait a minute Maybe I, I'm not as clear on this as I thought I would be. Yeah, that's, that'll, that'll, I mean, that could stop discipleship in its tracks. Then. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, as you say that, it makes me think, uh, wow, we, for some of us, we've got to really push through that. Yeah. I think that's why I've always been attracted to models of discipleship and relationship that are, are all of us discerning together, you know, where there's not mm -hmm. one clear leader or teacher, but in, you know, in situations in more friendships and, and peer relationships where we, like, let's, let's figure this out together. Or, um, you know, where, where in one moment somebody might be further ahead, but in the next, in the next discussion, then it, it's swapped. And, you know, whereas you were helping me last week, I'm helping you this week. Um, I know, but I know other people are very much more attracted to the idea of, you know, who's the expert in the room, let them yeah. guide me. Um, so. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. So you, you really latched onto this idea of humility being a kind of a requirement of being teachable and for teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because, um, I think it's important in both aspects. Like I said, you know, I think we have to be willing to own that we don't know it all and, and we're never going to know it all and that, that other people do have things to teach us, that, that our faith is always being reformed according to the, the word and according to the spirit and that other people might be able to speak into that. But also, you know, a humility when we approach others. You, had, you drew out really well the way that when Philip approached the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch, he didn't just say, here, let me help you with that. Let me tell you exactly what's going on. He started with a question. Do you know what you're reading? Would you like me to help you? And in a world where it seems like we're so anxious to impart knowledge to other people, and we do it to young people all the time, either here, let me tell you exactly how you should feel in this moment. Or, oh, if you think, you know, if you think this now, just wait. The, and I know we've talked about those kinds of comments before. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like we're so anxious to impart knowledge that we forget that other people have different experiences. They have different starting places. And maybe maybe our all imparting all our knowledge isn't terribly welcome in mm -hmm. this moment. But I think a spirit of humility helps us to discern that and being open to the spirit figuring out when to when to teach when to be taught when to push and when to hold back um 
I mean, because how many people, I mean, I know lots of people who have said, I don't, I don't want to be around that person because all they do is push their viewpoints on me. They push mm. their faith on me. They push their ideals on me and just expect me to immediately pick up what they're, they're saying and conform my life to them. And to me, that there's so much pride in the midst of that, that I should immediately be able to tell you exactly what to believe with no understanding of your understanding of God, your experience of life in a church or in a body of faith. Um, and if I start with listening, if I start with asking the questions, then I'm much more able to, to know where I can speak into your life and where I should just stop talking. Yeah, so, so I jotted a, a few notes down here as you were talking about that because there's so much to unpack in that. Um, I think one of the first things that I notice is this is this is part of the reason that we included relationship mm-hmm. as one of the three major pillars of ministry um, is because we have to be in a relationship to know where people are and and that does require humility. I mean, my gosh. To- yeah. Yeah, and humility to say my experience isn't the sum total of everyone's mm. experience. That my, you know, I have kids that are all just about to be school age. Certainly I can speak into the life of someone who is just starting out, but I don't know their whole experience. I don't know if their their child is a great sleeper or a terrible sleeper. I don't know if they're pleasant or fussy. I, I mean, I can't understand all that they're going through even though I went through it and that's okay. It's, you know, it's okay Mm -hmm. to share wisdom, but we have to do it in such a way that understanding that it might not be the magic key of everything. And I think the same is true of our faith that we don't know how people have been shaped by the church for good and for bad growing up. We don't know how people have experienced what is supposed to be good news. If, if you're talking with someone who, who has felt manipulated who has felt forced then mm. then you you need to approach things in a very different way than than someone who is open to, to you know who's asking you the questions about faith right um, and self-awareness is important too in the midst of that and, and what am i bringing in and what is my experience how is my experience shaping how i'm teaching someone else yeah, I mean, there's a totally different mindset that you use when you have an Ethiopian eunuch who is saying, how, how can I know what's going on here unless someone teaches me, mm-hmm. unless someone guides me, versus the the person who has had nothing but um, authoritarian figures around them who are trying to figure out which way is up now and mm-hmm. don't know who to trust. Um which kind of gets into the question of how do we know, you know, talked about being curious, you know, how do we know where to, you know, draw the line on some things? Because we talked about the fact that the big, um, the the big drawback in being curious is people are like, well, you you might experience things that are going to water down or draw you away from the faith. Yeah. Um, And the question is, how do you go through that? How do you go through that maturely and hang on to, the historic faith while adapting to the current climate. Yeah, I, I think part of that is being in community and being in relationship with other people that you can say, hey, I, I read this or heard this and 
it shook me up a little bit. What do you think? Or how can we figure it out together? Um, you know, I, I, I had off mic, we had talked, you know, I like reading different perspectives. I like hearing, I, I really push back against the idea of here's what we believe we're right. And everyone else is wrong. No need to, to know what they're saying or no need to have a full understanding because that doesn't do any of us any favors. Um, and so I like to hear and experience different perspectives so that I can be sure of my own. And, and sometimes, yes, you know, you shift and you say, I understand that. Sometimes you say, nope, I think you're completely wrong. But in both cases, I think there's compassion. Whether you move your perspective on, on faith or faith-based things, you can understand how it, when you're, when you're a student, when you're humble, you can understand why someone holds to things that they do. Like, you know, I'm not there, but I understand why you could be, or I'm not there anymore, but I was there. And so I understand how you, you know, why you are there. And I think, you know, our whole culture would do well to, to do that instead of wanting to throw out the whole person because of one particular political viewpoint or, or religious viewpoint or, or whatever, um, that, that I think in dialogue with other people, even people that we disagree with is, is good for us. And I have seen that worked out very beautifully in my life through the mission conference that I was just at, um, friends that I've had for longer than I care to admit that all, we are all in very different places on the theological spectrum. And yet we can, we can talk about things faith things and and just world things and we learn from one another and we consider one another's perspective um and it's beautiful and it's great and no one's being forced to to move or say they're wrong or right um you know i think that would to me there's a beauty in that that i think the world would do well to to notice happening in the church but it doesn't happen nearly enough Okay, so this is a question that we can edit out if you don't want to be in there. Okay. But I was going to broach because I, I did think about the, the mission conference. Mm-hmm. New Wellington Mission Conference, if you don't know, Pastor G- Dina is uh, chair of the board of the mission conference mm-hmm. and has been involved for a long time. What, um, what, has, um, what has the global church then, because you get global viewpoints, what has the global church taught you um, in terms of teachability and humility and um just kind of blind spots and 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 strengths i think that the biggest thing is there there's just a whole new way of doing mission and it's not even that new anymore but the idea that that i can go and impart my knowledge to someone and create a system that looks exactly like the system that is, you know, is taking place in my little corner of suburbia is, is just wrong that, that truly to share the gospel, it does have to start with relationship. It has to start with learning about the culture that you're in and then making very intentional choices about how you live within that culture or counter to that culture, not in a, not in a way that's, that's forcing or saying you're wrong, but, but in a way that you can, explain this is why we're making the choices that we are um you know the global church 
we heard a great presentation about the the center of Christianity is no longer the the northern church that the center of Christianity is in the global south and it doesn't look like big beautiful buildings with tons of programs it doesn't look really anything like Christianity in North America Hmm. anymore and and that's okay like God is still in the midst of things that don't look and sound the way we're used to. Sure. And it's uncomfortable. I mean, there's always a, a stretching kind of experience. I mean, people at the mission conference, people pray in different languages and you kind of have to reckon with the idea of, I don't, I don't know what they're saying. How is this still prayer for me? And yet it is. And, um, different music styles, different voices, different perspectives. Um, and I think we talked a lot this past week about trying to be trying to be gracious speakers and being aware that words matter, but also being gracious listeners as well. And being, you know, recognizing that people do come from different experiences and different cultures and different perspectives. And just because they say it doesn't mean like I can, I can still listen and respect someone, even if they're saying something that I disagree with. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, trying to be gracious and humble as I listen, realizing not everything is necessarily for me. I'm not going to agree with everything. And yet we are still working towards the same goal of, of sharing the good news of Christ wherever we go and wherever we are. Um, this may not have been spoken directly about, um, but does do some of the global partners view the, let's say the American church or the Western church, do they view it as an aberration or as a model that is is just passing from its usefulness? Or do they view it as a good? Um, that's a really good question. My guess is it's some combination of all those things. Um, I mean, even though the center of Christianity is not in the North, we still have all the resources. And mm. so... Uh, as mission organizations, mission coworkers, as people go out and and do good works in the places where there's poverty, in the places where there's oppression, like there's something to be valued in that because that's part of the Great Commission is to you know to love our neighbors and to stand up for the the people who can't for themselves. And so my guess is it's way more complicated than just a a blanket statement. Um, the way, the way I think we look at any denomination or any church and say, there's some really great stuff they're doing, and then there's some things that, like, ooh, <laughs> mm, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't do. I think, I still, I think for the most part, there's a, at least from the speakers we heard, and of course it's a, it's a mission conference in Western Pennsylvania, in North America, so. I doubt anybody would completely blast us. Um, you know, it's interesting thinking back, back about the keynote this week, though. He did challenge us to not lose God's mission mm. in the midst of, of everything that we're doing and every, you know, all these, um, all these efforts that, that it's God's mission. It's not our own. So I think if there's any, any, criticism of the North American church, it would probably be, you know, have we lost sight of the goal? Have Mm. we lost sight of, of our true 
purpose. Um, and, and in some cases, that's really accurate criticism. Sure. Um, but it's it's so much more complex yeah. than that, of course. Sure, too. yeah. I didn't know if yeah. there was anything. And, and thanks for being a good sport on fielding the questions that I'm just like, hmm, yeah. that's, that's an interesting question. Um, but uh, no, that's that's good. But there's a lot of that it sounds like can we can learn about from teachability in sitting under um, some of our global partners. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think of all the stories of people who um, the the summer service team went to a country in Southeast Asia, which is not open to the gospel. And so hearing about their the the church there and how it's growing despite having to be really careful about who you talk to and who you invite to church because they could be someone who wants to come to church. They could be an undercover officer who's waiting to arrest you as soon as you invite them mm. um, to hear. You know, there, I had already mentioned the, the story of one y- young woman who crossed the Mexico-U.S. border every Sunday to go to church. And so, that you know, there's so much for us to learn of the dedication of, of people and the, the, the triumph, even in the face of persecution that we just do not face and do don't even have a, a reference point for. Mm. So I, and I, I think that goes back to being teachable. Like as the North American church, we do, you know, we've, we do have resources that we can help with and, and go in and, and improve lives with, but there's also so much for us to learn about the faithfulness of people who, um, for whom Christianity is not the dominant culture. There's so much for us to learn from people who do have to depend on God in ways that we don't understand. And so again, it's this relationship of back and forth of like, you know, let me help you and teach you how to have clean water, but you're going to teach me a whole lot about what it means to depend on God and mm. and back and forth. And what, I think when both parties approach that with humility, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, so this is probably the reason why I think the Ethiopian eunuch is actually such an interesting character is because he does represent those values that, that we mm-hmm. have. He has wealth. He has power. He has resources. He's willing to use them. Um, and yet his first reaction is to say how can i how can i know unless someone teaches me yeah um and so he's willing he holds those things very very loosely and i mean he is the treasurer in one of the few empires that the roman war machine could not defeat Mm -hmm. i mean the fact that that rome cut a treaty with with uh nubia or moreau whatever you want to call ethiopia is really significant. These are people who could defend their borders. They are people who had wealth, uh, as evidenced by the, the the chariot being able to come up and take this official, and he's allowed to leave his job for mm-hmm. this long of a trip. And yet he's willing to say, I, I want to know what this means. Who Who is this talking about? Is this, is this a prophet or is he talking about someone else? I mean, come on, Philip, get, you have something I want, and I, I just want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, and I I love that willingness to to learn and ask questions and and for Philip to be willing to answer the questions too. Um you know again, I think when we focus on one side or the other being humi- hum- being humble and having humility, 
we miss the idea that it, it really needs to, I mean, it's like the, the mutual submission that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians, that it's, it's a both and, and if both parties approach with humility, mm. then, then that's where real learning on both parts, where real teachability happens. Um, I, I think, and for some reason we just, we forget, we forget that and assume we have to drop all this knowledge and, and we're in a hurry to do it. I, I keep thinking of the the sermon from a couple of weeks ago that I pre- preached that, you know, Jesus wasn't in a hurry to get them to follow and he didn't, mm. he didn't push back against the questions. And I know we had talked off mic too, you know, Jesus led with questions more often than not. So he, he embodied that humility of, of I have something to teach you, but I'm going to wait for you to come around to what to to a point where you can hear it. And in the meantime, I'm going to get to know you too, um, mm. to really understand what they were grappling with and what they were 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 experiencing before he just dropped in and said, "Hey, by the way." I'm the son of God and I'm going to redeem you all. And, you know, don't worry, I've got it, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Because any of these situations, man, there are ways that he could have been like, you know, Messiah right here mm-hmm. or Philip, like, hey, the Holy Spirit talked uh, talk to me yeah. and this is what you need to know. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't listen to me, then blah, you know. Yeah. Um, you also remind me of a book. I don't think I have referenced it on the podcast but i'll put a link to it on amazon um in in the show notes but have you encountered the book the three mile an hour god i don't think i have okay so the three mile an hour god is by uh kosuki uh koyama um and um his his main point is the fact that that jesus who is you know second member of the trinity uh the eternal son came and if you never notice um he never runs Mm. he doesn't run anywhere Hmm. three miles per hour is the uh is the um speed of an average walk okay and so um koyama's point is that that um the quote here love has its speed it's a spiritual speed and it's three miles an hour yeah and, and it's not hurried and it's it is you think about it it's hard to be domineering at three miles an hour yeah it's hard to be to be a jerk walking with people if you're being a jerk usually you're walking pretty you're kind of doing the oprah power walk Mm -hmm. and leaving people in the dust Uh, there's a trail of bodies behind you yeah um but but jesus walked everywhere um and uh so that's a uh, that's kind of the thought it makes me think of that where we slow down to the pace of Christ's love. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I think, because no one likes to be hurried. No one likes to be pushed. I think of my own experience with, with parenting and, you know, the more I stand there and say, hurry up, put your shoes on, hurry up. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. It seems like the more pushback I get and the slower everyone goes and the more flustered everyone, including me gets (laughs) that. um, And, and I think, when we think about that in relationship to sharing our faith and certainly there is an urgency to it, but I think if we take that, 
immediate need of, I have to impart everything I know to you. I have to get you to sign on the dotted line, or I have to get you to pray this prayer, or I have to get you to, to confess Jesus is Lord. You know, if we can, if we can approach that differently and trust that somehow the spirit is in the, at work in the midst of all this, that, you know, like Philip trusted the spirit had called him to do this. And there wasn't a hurry to get, to get the Ethiopian eunuch to, to the final point. They, you know, they took time. They took the the time to ride around and, and talk about it. Yeah. We get Um, a little blip, but there's a ride that goes on there. And what I'm thinking about is, you know, it's, um, there's not, there's not a full set of instructions from the spirit. And And I know I mentioned that in the sermon, but there's no full set of instructions. It's just go this direction. Go near to that to that chariot. Yeah. Oh, those instructions. Like, I want things. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think most of us would like everything spelled out exactly. How much neater would that make everything and how much right. more assured of everything we'd be. But, um, I, you know, sometimes I think it's not necessarily for us to see the whole picture, to see the the answer to see someone arrive at the final conclusion, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're, we're a part of their, their journey. And sometimes we're privileged to see the way the spirit is work working in their lives, but not always, um, which is hard, but I think, I think that keeps us humble. I mean, imagine if, if we were able to see the fruits of our labor, every time we, we shared the gospel or shared our faith with someone, we would just be, you know, full of ourselves all over the place. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think, as you said, we'd leave a stream of, of battered and broken and, and, um, you know, hurt people behind us in our efforts too, which, which I don't think is what God wants. No. I mean, there was healing in the wake of Jesus. Mm -hmm. There was wholeness. There was life. There was purpose. Um, and so, you know, kind of treating people as objects to be ticked off a list goes against the relational aspect of Jesus in the gospels. It goes against the relational nature of God throughout yeah. Genesis through revelation. Yeah. And the Trinity. And, and I think some of, some of that I think is what has led to the, the done category of people, you know, the people who have walked away from the church and said, no, thank you. I'm out. I, you know, I, I can't, I can't be a part of this anymore. And, and I have to think it's because they've been told for so long, this is right, this is wrong, believe this, you know, I'm going to teach you this, oh, nope, you've departed, you're wrong, um, you know, come back into this way, I have all the knowledge to impart to you, don't think for yourself kind of things. and Which is all a hierarchical understanding of, of relationship. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what breaks my heart because I do think, you know, the church should be, a, a group of a group of people figuring it out figuring it out together the um the you know faith faith is not simple there is no magic metric of of being a faithful person or growing in in your relationship with Christ and when we act like it is we've done everyone a disservice yeah yeah and and i think we're seeing what fruit that bears yeah um because we had cultural power. We we had cultural stance. Yeah. Um, and we leveraged it. Yeah. And sometimes that formula was believe exactly these things. Sometimes it was 
do exactly these things, behave in exactly this way, these yeah. ways, or don't behave in exactly these ways. And then, and then you'll be fine. Or worse yet, if you do just keep it under wraps. Yeah. Well, of, yeah, that was kind of the next, yeah. next step. Well, that's fine. Just don't tell anybody. Right. You know? As opposed to, you know, Jesus who brought things out into the light and did not fear to take care of things in, uh, I forget whether it was Paul or in Hebrews where, you know, everything that's brought out into the light and still stands is good. Yeah. Yeah. And the opposite of that is, you know, a culture of shame where I can't like now I can't even admit that I'm struggling with this or that because I'm not supposed to be doing that at all. Um, you know, and it leads to that culture of shame. I think that's what leads to relationships to implode. You know, if, if I, if I can't admit struggles in my marriage, then I have no one to talk to about it. And then, you know, all these other relationships pop up and now, now everything everywhere is just a hot mess. Right. And, and I don't even feel like I can go to the one body that should be able to help me heal it and figure it out because I'm embarrassed and, and shamed and, and in some cases actually shunned. I mean, I know more than one person who left churches over, divorce and kind of being told well you're wrong and you shouldn't be getting divorced and so sorry yeah you're no no longer welcome here yeah so so that gets kind of dovetails then a little bit with uh, um uh, in talking about so we talked a little bit about you know being curious and, and that doesn't mean that you're diluted uh diluted not diluted um uh, <laughs> although maybe <laughs> yeah, both I mean, of them works because um, you know we know good christian teachers who are are just encyclopedic in their knowledge of all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talked about the, the, the dangers of pride there in, in a lot of ways, and which gets us to this idea of keeping a soft heart and, and, and how do we do that, especially in the midst of fallenness, because it's, it's like we want to, you know, just kind of push out everything that might harm us, <laughs> go into a padded room and say, I'm safe. Yeah. And we know that's not the answer. No. We've got to somehow interact with the fallen world. And we've got to interact with people who are, you know, what Paul would call bad teachers or false teachers or whatever, and who end up hurting us as a result. Or they, they're teachers who have had moral failures or, or blind spots in, mm-hmm. their, in their behavior that cause these things. So how do we... How do we move forward and keep that? You know, how how do you keep a soft heart in the midst of, I mean, you have a unique uh, experience in 17 years and and you have the experience of being in, uh, being a female pastor in a denomination that on the surface says we welcome that, but practically in the pews is actually a lot more resistant. Yeah, I think, I think for me, you know, constantly going back to my own sense of call and being reminded that I was called to this work and that it's hard work and that the external factors, I don't want to say, I mean, I do think we should pay attention to what's going on around us and and the way the spirit is moving all around us too. At the same time, the external factors shouldn't completely dictate you know like oh this person says that women shouldn't be pastors so clearly i shouldn't be a pastor well wait what about this call from god in the way that i um wrestled through that and and discerned 
through that. And so I think it, it takes a lot of effort and work. I think no matter what situation we're in to, to be discerning, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of, and again, humility, you know, we talked about humility in the face of, of one another that people were being taught by and the people were teaching. But I think also humility in the presence of God too, to, to not assume that our perspective mm. is God's perspective, to not assume that God doesn't have more things, things that we, you know, things that we couldn't ask or imagine around the, the bend for us in good and, and difficult ways that, mm. that, you know, there might be challenges that are going to shape us for something better to come or challenges that, that are going to build our character that we can't just tell God, you had mentioned it in your sermon, you know, we can't just tell God, Hey, this is the way this is going to work out. So I'd really mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd like to get into this college and this seminary and get a job in this church and make this amount of money for this length of time, you know, that yeah. our God doesn't work like that. And so it is a humility to say, God, I think this is the direction you're leading and I'm going to follow until a door slams in my face. You know, give me the grace to accept if that door happens to, to slam, you know, help me to know, um, that, that when, when things are closed off, when things are blocked, that, that, that is from you. And I, I saw that worked out beautifully. Um, we met a couple at the mission conference, um, a couple in there, I think seven kids or nine kids, a lot of kids. Um, and they, that's a mission unto itself. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly how they're living because they really want, they really feel called to ministry in Korea. And I, mm. I believe it's North Korea, but of oh, course, mercy. yeah, the way is not quite open to North, <laughs> North Korea no right now. Um, and, and I think, you know, they, they had, they had served in that area of the world before. Um, and so, so, you know, some of the ministry to be done there is people coming out of that country and, and they, they really want to go back and yet the doors closed. And so they're in a position of waiting and discerning wow. and, we heard another woman speak, um, and she was really quite emotional about it. She said, I always, I wanted to be called to missions. I thought God was going to call me to missions. I thought that I was going to be called to go somewhere. And she said, every door shut. And I ended up with a PhD in economics. She said, what do you do with a PhD in economics? Um, but now she's a professor at a, at a university and she treats her classroom as a mission field wow. and, and through her economic gifts, because she's, she's really smart at economics. Yeah. Um, she's helped to, to develop a data center where all sorts of data about human trafficking can come together. And so then, then everyone has access to it. The, the, the human trafficking um, task forces and the FBI and all that. Wow. And, and her economic prowess has helped to make that, happen and she said so this is my mission field like this is how god has used me it is it looks nothing like i wanted it to and somehow here i am but look at what god is doing and um you know that's why i love hearing other people's stories because it it is a reminder that that god does crazy things and sometimes god says to wait and sometimes god says to go and and to me hearing other people's stories helps me to be humble 
in the face of God too. Like I see examples of other people doing it well and it gives me courage for what, what is to come. Wow. That, and wow. So th- there's a lot to be said for keeping a soft heart and, and it has to do with the, the, the surprise of God's plan unfolding yeah. in ways that, that we, it sounds like we could never appreciate or understand save for being put into the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is is incredible if you i mean i guess you know sometimes i think if i was in charge of my life i would certainly you know plan it and organize it a certain way but how many more great things does god have that i can't even fathom yet and yet somehow when i when i give myself over in in faith and humility with a, a willing heart with a soft heart which admittedly is sometimes harder than others um you know, what, what amazing things God can do that, that I may not even imagine. Um, you know, for years, I, I would have never thought that I would have been the chair of the board of this mission conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet looking back over my history, I can see the way God has, has worked it. Um, and that never would have happened without a, an openness, a softness of heart of, of me saying, God, this makes no sense on paper, none, zero. Um, I applied at a time in my own life and in the life of the church that to take on something else just seemed dumb. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes still seems dumb, but... Do you need me to edit that one? <laughs> yeah, no, no, because I think... I think when we when we can have a soft heart, when we have a mindset of humility, even the things that don't seem to make sense, even things that the world around us says, what are you doing? I mean, kind of like your reaction to, you know, when I said they wanted to go to North Korea, like, why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> Who would, you know, like this sounds is, like a bad idea. Yeah. Like for so many reasons. And yet that's the, the call of, of God on their lives and on their hearts. And, and there's something to be said for that too. Something that yeah. doesn't make sense that, that isn't smart um, that's not safe. And yet, um, when we, when we open ourselves up to God and assume that, that somehow God's plan is so much bigger and better than our own, that does help us to be humble, to be softer, to be, um, more reliant. And I think when we, when we have that posture with God, it makes it easier to have it with other people that, you know, we, we practice, uh, you know, as we said, as we were talking about the fruits of the spirit and, and, you know, these things get cultivated in your life and the more you do them, then the, the more naturally they come, not saying they're ever, you know, that we ever arrive, but, right. but we kind of, I think we can at least recognize where we're pushing against them to a point where we say, well, I need to, I need to step back and examine this in my life. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I mean... As I as I think about this, I mean, it, it's a it's a there's. Let me restart my phrase here because <laughs> there's a there is a lot. I mean, there are a number of different directions my brain is going right now, mm-hmm. but it really, um, even in this conversation, I'm surprised at how much humility, a soft heart, curiosity, um, you know, watching for pride, really does come into this because, wow, it's. It's just, 
you know, I'm not saying I'm amazed by my own sermon, but yeah. it, it's just the depth of how that affects us and what kind of people it makes us, whether more Christ-like or less like Christ-like. It's just remarkable. Yeah, I think in, in your sermon, you mentioned the number of, of pastors that, you know, sometime in the last three years, we're ready to just hang it up, hang it all up. And, and I do think it's only that humility and that sense of God's call and this, the sense of being teachable in that, like God is doing something in my heart, even as I wade through these really difficult, challenging years, you know, the years that we thought would only be a couple weeks. But, Hmm. um, I think, you know, I think it is the hardness of heart that makes you want to just say, forget it. If, you know, if this is how the church is going to act, no, thank you. Um, and, and I, I mean, I think the, the fact that so many people struggled with that idea shows that we're, we're never fully there. Like we're never fully arrived at this humble, you know, open person, you know, that those are the, you know, the battle of the flesh and the battle of the, the spirit within us. But, um, yeah, I think we see it worked out in that. In real time. Yeah. Perhaps shows us that, that we are a little less teachable than we thought we were. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do you have any final thoughts on, on today's? I don't think so. That was a lot for, you know, for something that we started by saying, this is a really basic kind of idea. (laughs) It really, there, I mean, there is such a depth to it. And I think again, to, you know, to lift up some of the statistics from the past couple episodes about perception of the church. I think if the, if the church and the people in the church can start to cultivate this kind of attitude in the way we teach others in the way we are taught, then the world's going to notice like yeah. that, that, that that's going to change our posture. Um, and, and I think, I think at least the church in North America could do with a little bit of posture changing sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I wrote down from the beginning, um, on my, my legal pad here, deceptively simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be the, the phrase for it is that, that teachability is deceptively simple. Yeah. It is intellectually simple. It is vastly difficult to implement in our own lives and which tells us we need the help, help of the Holy Spirit as in all things. But yeah, I think as I was thinking about that and being deceptively simple, you know, again, my, my kids come to mind. And when I say, you know, here, let me show you, I can do it myself. I don't need your help. And, you know, it, it, it's so simple to think like, no, I, I need, you've never done this before and I have had this experience. So let me help you. And yet they push back and it reminded me of like how often that's more often than I care to admit how often that's my posture too, you know, that, and so it seems so simple to say, be open, be humble. And it's really not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the slings and arrows of yeah. outrageous fortune from this fallen world. Yeah. To, to quote and paraphrase a little bit of Shakespeare. <laughs> but um, yeah, we could probably talk more on, on this, but I don't think we will. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we covered quite a bit here. Yeah. Um, but we would love your comments and feedback and questions and snide remarks, whatever. We'll yeah. Take them. Yeah, we'll take them all. 
Oscar Wilde, no presses or uh, there's no such thing as bad press. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, seriously, we'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, if you've found this episode helpful, would you leave a rating and a review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? Um, we want to bring the hope of Christ to other people. Uh, and in this way, you know, to help our mission statement to expand, expand Christ's community. Um, and hopefully you find this as a, as a helpful discipleship tool. Um, whether you share it, whether you go through it with your family, whether it is something part of your daily discipline as you are driving to work, whatever it is, we, we hope you leave a rating and review and share it so that others can discover it more easily. Also click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast because it is the summer and we make no guarantees about when we're releasing episodes. And so that's one way that you can for sure get the latest episode, um, beneficial even if you're trying to fall asleep at night. Um, <laughs> but uh, su- subscribe, we really appreciate it. But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.